Welcome to the Memory Distillery, everyone. I'm Anthony Vernary. And I'm John Deck. And each week we will malt, mash, ferment, and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long-loved movies. And this week... Hey, you can't kill the boogeyman. That's right. We're watching <laughs> Halloween from 1978, directed by John Carpenter. Our first John Carpenter film, I think. Is that right, John? It's, yeah, definitely is, which is kind of bizarre, but I guess we've it, had a lot of good movies to cover. So It, it is, I mean, but he doesn't have a lot of misses on his resume either. Like, There's a lot of solid films that come from, from John Carpenter, so we may have to work him into the rotation a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so this is going to be the finale of our uh, Halloween spooktacular. We we cut it short because of the, the Harry Potter segment that we did, but lots of good stuff in this film, I think. Although, to be honest, my, my recollection of it is kind of vague. Yeah, uh, I'd have to say very similarly on my end. It's been, oh boy, a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to. I did not watch these movies in order, nor have I seen all of them. Um, no, in fact, I want to say that the first one that I saw was uh, it, it was it was either Halloween two or Halloween three. Uh, but at any rate, like it, it's still been God probably 25 years since I've watched this, maybe even longer. Uh, the the sort of most vivid memory that I have I think is the nightmares that I had from watching it uh, it was it was pretty terrifying to me as a a young child young tot uh, I, I, to to experience this film yeah I feel that you know outside of the Michael Myers uh, little uh, piano music uh, uh, what's that called? Theme music. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's one of the most iconic things I think of when I think of this whole genre. But like when you talk about Halloween movies, slasher films, anything like that, there's a, a lot of varieties that delve deeper into the supernatural. And I know there's some light elements of, of that. But in a way, this is kind of just like uh, a little kid who, you know, kills his older sister, gets sent and locked away, and then breaks out, or some something happens and goes, you know, for revenge. Or, I, I can't remember the details, honestly. But it's the creep factor is that this is a person, you know? And this is not some creature or thing that gets you in your nightmares this is not an alien that you know is on loose on a spaceship you know this is there's a lot of things it's not um and so just that the simplicity of you know that that this has spawned many (laughs) sequels and reboots and remakes and all sorts of things going on uh for for such a simple premise in the midst of countless dozens and dozens and dozens of other movies that all you know fall into this almost exact genre that it's i think this is one of the 
progenitors to this style of slasher horror movie, like one of the grandparents or godfathers of soul or i don't know the right term for it but maybe <laughs> we'll figure that out <laughs> certainly one of the most well done like this is it's it's iconic and it's uh it's definitely something that when you think of slasher flicks like it, it's in the top three it's up there with you know freddy krueger and and uh jason Voorhees, like the 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 holy uh, unholy trinity i guess of of slashers being you know, Michael Myers rounding out the third spot there. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I definitely agree uh, on a lot of those points. I, I think that we should just jump right in here though. I, I think that there's a lot to, uh, to, to go through and to, to dig into. I think that this is probably going to be one of the better horror films that we've watched on this show. Uh, at, at least in terms of overall story and, and, and plot and, and, depth i think that we're going to actually get some some good meat out of this so i i'm excited to jump in and watch it john what about you um i was until you said that we'd get some good meat out of it and it reminded me that meatloaf is not in this movie and we've been having some good luck with meatloaf movies <laughs> we have but outside of that i'd say yeah i think the it'll be a a, a cool experience to to watch this after so long and and to just be have a more critical eye towards why why this? Why why did this work? Why is this such a huge thing? So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I agree. Um, so if you want to watch this along with us, it's streaming in a couple of spots. Uh, it's on Fubo. It's on Hoopla. It's on uh, Shutter. Uh, if you want, if you have the Roku and you have the Roku channel, it's available with ads. Uh, otherwise, you know, get it from all the usual suspects, or actually not the usual suspects. It looks like it's uh, a little sparse on the video uh, on-demand rental services. It looks like it's just Redbox, Apple TV, and Vudu. So anyhow, I'm sure you can find Halloween. I'm sure you can get it somewhere, uh, your personal library or what have you. And when we come back, we are talking Halloween. John, are you ready? I am. Then let's do it. Very shagadelic, baby, yeah. That's right. We watched Halloween. With Mike Myers. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, wait. Did we watch the wrong thing? Uh, here, here's a theory for you. Austin Powers' gold member is scarier than Halloween. Discuss. That's a hundred percent that, true. There's nothing okay. to discuss. That is a hundred percent true. Okay. Well, we got that out of the way. So let's talk about this other movie then. Yes, let's. This movie, I forgot how good it was at what it was trying to do. And what I mean by that is like, take the score for example. Like the score does this great job of building up suspense, especially in that opening scene, but really throughout the movie. Like the score is almost its own character. It's it reminds me a little bit of Jaws in a way. A little bit, yes. Just because it has those the the, the theme for the monster, so to speak, is very simple. Just a couple of notes. Mm -hmm. I mean, but like it, of course, with Jaws, you know, 
if those of you who were around 78 episodes ago when we did that, um, <laughs> th- that score was a little uneven because there were times and it was like, and then it was like, you know, it's like it kept going back and forth and hopping around in it. But this was very consistent. Yeah, no, um, we didn't have the, the triumphant uh, fanfare, as it were, yeah. that, that you would get in, in a Jaws. Uh, but yeah, I, I love I love the score and yeah that the little I don't know the musical term for it, but whatever you call that chord based arpeggio triads, I don't know. Those are all um, music words. Yeah. So whatever that that simple progression that's used is is very very effective and and, and beyond that, like the tie ins to the different scenes that are particularly creepy or stunning like the music goes right along with it so i couldn't agree more yeah one thing i like too is you you get this sort of slow burn out of this movie like it it keeps it it maintains a certain tension throughout the entire movie and yeah it'll like it'll lessen up a little bit and then it'll tighten it back up but it's always there like you, you at least for me as the viewer i constantly had this sense of almost impending doom i guess like going going through and watching this and and experiencing it and the the mystery behind michael and sort of the way that he kind of skulks around in the background like that just sort of adds to it and i i really enjoyed that a lot yeah i feel like when you first started talking about how this movie does what it's trying to do so well or whatever phrase you used like that 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 idea of this being a simple movie is not by any means a, a negative thing. Um, it I had to remind myself more than once that certain things going on in this movie were not cliches at the time. You know, they, these were not things that you've seen over and over again. These were yeah, the the choices being made in this movie. So many were groundbreaking. Like one thing I really uh, noticed a lot here that I just can't recall too many examples of before this movie came out was actually seeing a bad guy or monster or villain or anything in the daytime. Yeah. You know, he's he's just right out there at first, follow him in a station wagon, a big station wagon with like, <laughs> you know, labels on the side and like just there is no hiding. There is no, I mean, there is hiding, but there is like a lot of blatant right there in your face in that scene it's, where it's you just, hiding in plain sight and like what and, and i like that there was a great combination of long tracking shots you know uh mm-hmm. and scenes like i i'm like i'm not a huge fan of jump scares in that they uh unless it's justin mcelroy doing them um it's like i a lot of times they feel just cheap to me like anybody can do that that doesn't that doesn't create real thrills or tension but um in in limited bits here and there they're perfectly fine Uh, but what i really love here is those shots where you you see him coming from across the street for a solid you know 25 seconds Mm -hmm. you know and you just it's inevitable and he's just coming and plotting and just that straight ahead or where you see him in the distance and it takes you a second or two to realize he, Oh, he's right there. You know, like when in the beginning, when, um, ah, God, I keep forgetting her name. You know, what's her face? 
Yeah. Lori? Lori? Oh, yeah. Uh, do, so, I didn't know who you were specifically yeah, talking about. Yeah, of course so, you yes. did. So anyway, in the in that beginning, one of the beginning scenes. At, when when, she when says, she's walking, right? No, when Lori's in school and she's. Oh, yes. And she looks out the blinds and, and stuff. It's like the first, at the first glance, I just saw the car and I didn't see Michael Myers. Um, And then she looks, and then as she starts to look away, like, and that shot was what? It was three, four seconds. Not that long. At, at most, yeah. But just right before they cut back. I, like, oh, I realize he's just standing there right next to the car. And it's funny, then they cut back again. And even then it took me, it's almost like he was camouflage because it took me like a full like second or two of staring right at it to be like, yep, there he is. He's right standing right there again, you know, because maybe my mind was expecting him to the classic like disappearing act, you know, did I really see it? And it's like, no, he's cool. He's right there. <laughs> yeah, but it, it does that mind fuck thing pretty well. And it's, it's, it's a lot of, I shouldn't say it's a lot of fun because you're like sitting there in terror the whole time, but it's, it's very, it's very clever and it's very well done. And like you, you have these moments, like you had mentioned with Michael walking across the street, not running, not, you know, not sprinting, not, you know, not anything, just he's walking. Like he's got a normal gait and he's walking across this street and as the viewer, I'm sitting there knowing that I can't move and I don't have anywhere to go because I'm not the camera and I'm not an actual person in this movie. So I, I have to just sit here and watch yeah. as Michael Myers crosses the street from the house where he murdered Lori's two best friends to the house where she's watching two kids and he's going to try to murder them and her too. Speaking of cameras and following and or being held captive. There's a lot of interesting camera work and decisions made here. Um, Cause in the very, very beginning, you're, you know, you're in, you're seeing out of Michael Myers eyes, mm -hmm. you know, he literally puts the mask on, you know, over the camera. So you know that that's what you're seeing. And then there are many shots where you're near Michael Myers, but you're not looking through his eyes. You, you see over his shoulder mm -hmm. or, you're in the back seat of the car while he's driving and you look, you know, forward, you see the silhouette of his head and then you turn to the side and look out the window and see, um, the, you know, uh, the kid, uh, whatever his name was, the, the, the main little stupid kid. Um, the, the one that Laurie's watching. Yeah. There's a boogeyman. That one. <laughs> um, but it, so I thought it was very interesting and I, I'm just, as I'm saying this out loud, I have a theory on this now. Okay. Based upon, you know, some of the lore and happenings of later Halloween movies, but I feel like maybe the hint we get from the doctor, psychiatrist type person is that perhaps Michael Myers is like possessed, you know, by the devil or the demons or something, you know, like in some beyond human thing. And maybe there's some sort of a uh, an an energy or spirit of evilness that surrounds Michael Myers. So their perspective you're seeing is not like, doesn't have to be through his eye holes because he's just like got to radiate just an aura of, of, of evil around him. And so that's, that's where the camera's hanging out. Well, and he makes that, that proclamation uh, yeah. at one point, right? Like I'm, I'm going to pull up the quote here. Um, uh, I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized 
that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. And like, so he, he really like, he it even calls them the devil's eyes. And so he, he's really trying to get it across. Like this kid is, is just what you just described. Yeah. And I, I again, there's so surprising amount of things to, to kind of break down in, in this movie, given how on the surface, it seems relatively straightforward and simple. Um, uh, one of the things also that I, kind of enjoyed dissecting and thinking about that I certainly didn't, you know, think in these terms way, way back in the day when I, you know, first or last saw this movie, uh, which, again, it's been a long time. Um, But here, I think we're really seeing, you know, Michael Myers as this villain. And, you know, what what is what drives him? And basically, it's killing women that are sluts, or anyone that's like any—not just women, but killing anyone who's sexually promiscuous. Yeah, ex- I was just promiscuity was was the the word that came to mind there. And so it's just this—he's not interested in killing the kids. He's—they're all over the place, trick or treating. He ignores them when he goes to the house after. Uh, he even grabs know. one outside the school, like right. grabs one of the the bullies. Uh, you know, by the the lapels, or you know, by his shirt or his jacket or whatever, and then lets him go because he's pure. He could smell it on him. <laughs> um, he's untainted. But, and so, and so, yeah. So then the thought was, well, you know, Lori is set up as kind of the 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 nerdy girl, and she's not, you know, she doesn't party with the boys and, and stuff like that. So it's like. I'll put this question to you and then I'll maybe share my theory. But why do you think Michael Myers is after her? Does this, does this defy my theory on that? You know, Michael Myers is just out there to, to kill off uh, people who are, you know, being bad that's in a, that way. That's a tough question because Lori exists outside of the, sort of the, the the target zone like if if we're defining a target zone it is promiscuous teens which mm-hmm. you know it's a common theme late 70s early 80s yep. uh for horror flicks is you know promiscuous teens you've got you know the kids in nightmare on elm street and the kids in friday the 13th and you know they're mm-hmm. all you know doing drugs and having sex and whatever and maybe maybe the drugs part is part of it and you know she's, she she's sm- smoke smoking room. weed smoking weed in the car it's just so, like that Nelly Furtada and Timberland song. Yep, smoking weed in the car. No, uh, promiscuous teens. Oh, that that <laughs> one. <laughs> the, um, the the other one that you were talking about. So that's that's that, part not the of one it, that I right. just made up that that doesn't exist. Yeah, well, we, we make up a lot of things that don't that's exist. True. That's right. Like true. that time, like that one time when Michael Myers came around the corner with a knife, and you heard him go, "Of course, I'm going to kill you." And then they had to edit. <laughs> they had to edit that out that classic line. Yeah. They just, they just made speak. it heavy breathing inside of a mask. Yeah. They like. forgot. Um, but so that, that's good. That's, I think that's a solid theory is that it's not just sexual promiscuity. It's, it's like punishing being bad, doing drugs falls into that. So the fact that she took like two puffs off of that, uh, joined her or whatever, maybe not drunk, but whatever it was. A little jazz cigarette that they were smoking yeah, in the car. Yeah. Fancy jazz hand cigarette. That, <laughs> that what's her face is that could totally smell on her. It's so embarrassing. Um, Which, by the way, like 
there's no way he doesn't smell it in the car when they pull right. up. He's leaned all the way in the window. They just put it out three seconds earlier. There's yeah. no way he doesn't smell that. And but being a cop. But, you know, they're girls, so he knows they're going to get their comeuppance. Sure. Yeah, for Michael Myers. But the other thing is what triggered Michael Myers to start following Lori is when she inserts that item into his slot at the house. Oh, yeah, because she does go to the house with the, the kid that she is later babysitting. She violates that area of you're being, his. You're being very gross. No, I'm not. You are a little bit. Well, but it, it's not. I didn't make this movie. Don't put this on me. <laughs> this is the grossest I've ever heard you be. I was about to throw out like an Austin Powers quote, and that would have been more gross, but I'm not that bad. We, we don't do that on this show. Good point. Um, so anyway, speaking of yeah, points, baby. I, I do believe uh, that that could be kind of a, I don't know, analogy? No, that's not the word. You know, one of those things that, not an allegory, metaphor? Sure, whatever. Metaphor or simile? <laughs> no, it's, it's 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 like a simile. Yeah, except um, the opposite. No, that was just... Yeah, grammatical humor for the nerds. Um, (laughs) This podcast is like a flaming pile of trash. (laughs) Now there's a metaphor. Wait. Um, Yeah, so anyway, I just find that kind of fun to, you know, take the unknowable. Because part of the joy of the movie is not having uh, a definitive, you know, there's no revenge here. There is no, you know, it feels like maybe there's no rhyme, no reason. And you get that cliffhanger ending that makes everything so unsettling that is like, again, that wasn't commonplace at the time. You know, like it was common to have a big triumph ending where the bad guy or bad thing is like destroyed or locked up or thrown away or whatever happens. It's usually you take a big deep breath at the end because the bad thing is finished. And that's not how this ended. No, not at all. And in fact, uh, it's I don't want to call it a dissatisfying ending, but it's, it's almost there. Because you know, like we, we, we've watched for an hour and a half, this person who's a psychopath go around and terrorize the town that he was born in, just that he was born in. Like he only lived there until he was six and then he got moved into a hospital. Right. So he goes back to this town where his sister is buried and his family no longer lives and he is terrorizing the people. Like it's not specific people it's not people he knows it's not people he grew up with it's not people he was friends with or you know his sister was friends with like these are just random people as far as he's concerned that he is he's he's fucking with and he's like he's stalking and he's killing random except that he can smell when they've done bad things that's true he can smell the sex it's the sense of smell that he uses to hunt and the pot. So, uh, there, there, there's two things, two other things, really, that I wanted to sort of make mention of. The first, the three other things. The first being toward the beginning of the movie, or at the beginning of the movie, right after he kills his sister, he like comes out of the house, and we still have that sort of point of view, that that first person POV, and then his parents pull the mask off of him, and like Michael. And then it's just like 45 seconds of standing in the sidewalk and yeah. like a pullback shot on a jib. 
and <laughs> no one's moving. His parents aren't moving. They're not talking. He's just staring off into fucking space. No one's looking for the sister. No one's doing shit. They're just fucking standing there on the sidewalk. And I'm like, what's happening right now? That happened more than once, but that's the best example. Um, and, and they also had like the fade to black. We're going to commercial parts that kept happening. Yeah. Like, like it was a, almost <laughs> like it was a made for TV kind of thing. Yeah, it absolutely felt like that at times. Um, but what, what were the other points before I go off on a tangent? So the other points, they're, they're not related by any stretch of the imagination, but sure. Uh, the the second being Loomis's story, it, it doesn't add up. Nope. Like he okay. So at at age six, Michael gets committed, and Loomis is with him. And for you know, what did he say? For eight years, he tried to reach him, and for seven years, he tried to keep him locked up. So we're talking about 15 years of like trying to work with this kid who becomes an adult and then gets locked away in a maximum security hospital. How did Michael get so fucking big and strong? Like if he's really this sort of nearly catatonic but evil child, what's he doing? Is he hmm. is, is physical Could fitness it be part of his fucking evil Satan? Program? <laughs> uh, but no, it just it, it bothered me. Evil. He's fueled by evil. His muscles are made of evil. I it's guess a, it's it's Gatorade four. <laughs> he has all the electrolytes and evil you crave, and now he is going to start killing him. But this is great, though, Loomis. Um, we're not going to talk about much plot from the other Halloween movies and stuff like that. Let's just focus here and keep this as though it's its own thing. Yes. I would like to do like, that very much. I, I, I love this idea that what if Loomis is an unwitting puppet master of evil and somehow he's the one controlling Michael Myers and maybe he doesn't even know it. And that's why when he was shot at the end, he just ran away because he wasn't actually shot. Those were blanks because he wasn't going to kill his puppet. Interesting. Yep. I think I've nailed it. That's got to be. I think you have. Let's write a whole movie series based on this. Now, I don't know a lot about child psychology slash psychiatry or or whatever. Um, I know that it's probably unlikely that a six-year-old who commits murder and then is put into a hospital for observation or whatever, that he would be assigned uh, one psychologist or psychiatrist. I can't remember the right term, but you know what you I know, mean. You would have a team of, of Right, or at least docs. rotating, or there'd just be more than one over the course of 15 years. But, okay, let, let's forgive that for a second because, you know, it's Illinois. I lived in Illinois a long time. Stupid things happen in Illinois. We'll say that could happen. Um so, but you have, he's, you know, for eight years, you know, I, I can't remember that you quoted it like four times and I still can't remember it's it. 15 total, I think. But 15 total years for eight years, I tried to get through to him. Seven years, I tried to keep him locked up. It's like, all you said was that from the moment he came in, he said nothing. He did nothing. He just stared at a wall. And. No, not based, at a wall. Through a through, wall. Throughout, through a wall. But he practically was staring at a wall, but he, it was as though he was staring through a wall. But the point is, is that for 15 years, this little baby kid 
is essentially catatonic. I mean, obviously, you know, he's getting up, walking around, eating food, and, and uh, presumably, I can't say obviously, and we hit, don't know. hitting them motherfucking weights. But no, no, we're already covered the Gatorade 4. That oh, game right, 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 okay. Yeah. It's so, what plants crave. Yes, evil. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so 15 years of just anger and hatred from Loomis towards this kid... Do you think maybe if he's not supernaturally controlling him as a unwitting puppet master, perhaps there, there's something that was built into him from all of this hatred from from the doctor himself? Because instead of pitying this child, instead of, you know, it just is like he just knew because of the dark of his eyes or whatever that, you know, he was evil. And it's like... Are, are you trying to say, like, literally his eyes turn black like they do in TV shows and movies when they're trying to indicate someone <laughs> has been taken over by a, a demon or something? Or are you just saying you didn't like the expression on his face when he stared through that wall, so you just sat in a room trying to talk to him for eight years, and then you decided he should be locked up for his whole life? It's like, I don't know, there's something... I think you need to, like, demonstrate more of a threat like and that kid you know like he was there he didn't say anything for six months and then he tried to you know bite the achilles tendon of the nurse and you know like some horrible like like something would have to keep happening rather than this like nothing at all has ever happened until the day before halloween on his 21st birthday when they decide that they're gonna go you know to get him uh, presumably a psychiatrist and an assistant are going to get this, you know, devil spawn and take him for a ride or go along for the transfer to, for whatever reason, because it's the law, um, as, as he says. <laughs> and it's like, it's, you're right. It just doesn't add up. I'm trying to walk through it. And it's just like, no, it, it's. Well, he, he even talks about like, because as they're driving up to the hospital, him and this nurse, she goes, so what should I do, you know, before we, whatever she says, before we, you know, bring him up in front of the judge or whatever, he's like pump full of Thorazine. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this is a human being who needs to defend themselves if they are so able to do so. Like, you're just going to say, no, let's get him super fucked up and put him in front of a judge? Like, that doesn't, that doesn't jive with me. So I, I, I yeah. Part of me feels like Loomis is almost as big of a villain in He's a different way, but almost as big of a villain as Michael Myers. Like, You're make wrong. no mistake, Michael Myers is super fucked up and no, no, absolutely no. deserves to be locked up in a, a mental uh, institution. That's debatable. Okay. <laughs> because... De- debate me. <laughs> because he's, he's doing the Lord's work. Oh. You know? Like... I, Anthony, I know you of all people, you never hold it against others when they say they're doing something in the name of God. So I don't see why. Not Not you. Not you, Anthony. (laughs) And and I don't think it's fair to hold that against Michael Myers. I mean, sometimes look, okay, let's just say this. Sometimes a group of kids makes fun of a bald guy and they call him, hey, baldy. And, and then God kills those kids with bears 
with bears to punish them. Now, answer me this, Anthony, defender of God. Why is it so obscene for Michael Myers to start taking out young teens having promiscuous sexual activities, which is illegal, and smoking the reefer. He's cleaning up the streets, law and order. He's doing things that others don't have the power to do. He's like a a really cool version of Batman. How is he the villain, but this god you're always singing about kills little kids with bears, and you're cool with that? How is Michael Myers the villain? You know what? You're right, and I'm a huge hypocrite. He's he's making America great again, Cha-ching. and we need we need to recognize that and applaud it. So way to go. We should have an acronym for that, like like oh, wait, like, no, like wait. MAGA. <laughs> this is going horribly wrong. This I is going realized, super wrong. I just realized that this podcast is going to come out the day before the election. Oh, we might no. be we might be accidentally swaying those swing voters who are listening to us in those critical states, and they're going to hear this and not realize it was all a goof. We've just doomed ourselves if oh, only no. we could edit this. Well, too late, though. We've, we've well, got the intense. It's, it's already on the internet. The so. intense out there. So The internet's that's... forever. You, you can't spell internet without intent. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, do, you have a, do you have a favorite part of this movie? Uh so a part, I'll. I, so I have a favorite part, and I have a favorite plot device. So my favorite part, I think, is when Bob is in the kitchen. Oh, you're stealing my part! <laughs> but it's so good. It's right, like he grabs right. him by the neck and he just lifts him up, and and it, he's he's skewered on there, and it's probably the most like campy and sort of like typical horror movie thing that you would think of in like a slasher but flick. Can, can, you got to paint the whole picture. So he's choking him. He lifts him up in the air, you know, pitting him against these cabinets and then stabs him in the chest with a standard, you know, chef's knife. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, what, like eight, 10 inches long, maybe. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, and it's he, a $30 knife. It was him. a nice knife. But, but I'm saying it's like, let's say it's like a, a 10 inch knife that goes about, five to six inches into his torso and not even through his whole body. And that pins him and Michael Myers, <laughs> let's go. And it pins him to the He's cabinet, just there. holding him up just like <laughs> as though he was crucified. Oh, maybe that's why it worked. But yeah, that just really cracked me up when it was supposed to be a very, you know, dramatic and tense and, and you know, horror. I mean, it's 1978. John Carpenter is not thinking, oh, people are going to realize that this knife is way too short to pin this guy to the wall. He's thinking, this is cool for an effect. I don't need a machete. I'm just going to do it. And, you know, Jason Voorhees rectified that in Friday the 13th. But, uh, like, it's it, it, was, it was very cool. It was very fun. I liked it a lot. My favorite plot device... Uh, is the mask Mm. and uh, it's brilliant because it lets the story be told without interference from this main character. So like, cause 
so we, we just talked about how Loomis described how like the, his the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes, and how they were simply evil, and and how like he's just this pure evil spirit, and we don't have to see any of that. We don't get to see any of that, and instead we just get to see his actions and and what he's doing. We never know what he's feeling. We just know that he's motivated, and that to me I think is is powerful and like even the spot like the the spots where he's down like when anything that laurie knocks him down or when he gets shot by loomis and falls out the window or off the balcony onto the ground and so he's like laid flat like you never really know what's happening until he gets up or until he disappears and the the mask helps with that like we don't see his eyes open or close we don't see any grimaces or or faces that he makes with the brief exception of when Laurie pulls his mask off. So it's this, this, it, it's a mask that literally masks you from the character. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, you don't really learn much about Michael Myers when he is unmasked, you know? So it's not like there's a big reveal. It's not like that this was some cheap way to hide the fact that it was Loomis the whole time or, you know, like it's, or that he was that, freakishly disfigured or anything. Right. Like, that. like other than his eye, cause someone put a hanger in it. Right. Um, but so yeah, it, it's, it's interesting cause he is, you know, more or less with, with the mask on, like you feel like he's an older guy, you know, like, but without the mask in that brief second, I know you probably didn't get much time to examine it, but I'm looking at a screenshot of it now. Um, cause I just wanted to remember if, if there was anything distinguishing about him and it's like, no, he just looks like a, you know, a regular dude, reasonably normal 21 year old boy or man, you know, young, like no, nothing weird about him, nothing scary, no sharp teeth, no black eyes, no, you know, no, nothing. So it's just like, yeah, that, that mask and. And the way they set up the, the foreshadowing of, oh, they took some, some rope and some masks and some knives. He, he never used the rope, did he? No, he didn't. Maybe that wasn't him. Maybe that was some <laughs> other unrelated robbery <laughs> that just so happened to be include masks and knives. They showed up at the same time. The guy yeah. was like, hey, I just need some rope. Wait, the cashier's not here. All right, I'm just I'm just gonna fucking go. But like, I'm helping take... myself to these masks and knives and rope. I'm leaving money on the counter. Keep this between me and you, okay? There, uh, Bill Shatner mask. Thanks. And then, yeah, and then uh, you know, uh, the the guy comes back from his uh, little bathroom break and goes, "Oh, twenty bucks, sweet." Pockets it, and then he calls the cops. Yeah. Oh, this stuff was stolen. Yeah. Stupid kids. That's why. That's why I rarely go to those little small town uh, hardware stores anymore. Oh, yeah, you got to go big box all the way. Big box is the way to support the the community. Yep, I learned that in Animal Crossing. <laughs> um, is that is so that yeah, so is that a that, class? What? An- Animal Crossing is that a class? Let's just let's just go ahead and pretend that you're trying to make a joke and you you <laughs> totally know what I'm talking about and understand the reference because otherwise there's going to be so many of our listeners who will be disappointed in you. <laughs> um, yes, I know what Animal Crossing is. Anyway, um, yeah, so you like the mask plot device. I think I, I'd say the, the 
if you want to call it a, a plot device. I don't know. We kind of already talked about it, but it's just that he, he's not even moving at the speed of like Pepe Le Pew chasing a terrified cat and just prancing along. He's sw- walking. He's slowly stalking. He's he's just present. Mm-hmm. And so like to me, that villainy, that that confidence, if you want to call it that, or the lack of caring, not needing so much with i would almost say you don't need theatrics but like look you know it takes a lot of effort to pick up you know a 400 pound tombstone carry it into the house put it on the bed kill someone and stage their body and hide that shit was pretty fucking wild yeah like that that isn't just a mindless evil boy child man who's killing people because he's evil like there's purpose and there's some twisted stuff going on in there that was probably of everything in the movie that was like the biggest sign that there's something more to this than just simply someone with like a, a twisted brain you know there is like a story going on there and maybe it was all done just because some screenwriter thought that would be a cool scene but like <laughs> Which if we're to super believe was like it was a great yeah. scene and it was very well done uh but it, it's it it furthers the implication that that loomis's story doesn't add up like there's much more to Michael Myers than just what we get from Loomis. And yeah. so he's he he's very self-aware. He's very aware of his surroundings, of what his purpose is, whatever, you know, dark purpose that may be. He's he's there and I I, I think that he's got everything he, he's got all of his faculties despite the fact that he doesn't speak. I figured it out. Okay. Now, you, of course, have seen the movie Office Space. I have. Now, imagine you have a young Michael Myers, five, six years old, and he's got a problem where he keeps chewing his dang fingernails. You know? You know how horrible sometimes parents think that is? Mm -hmm. I don't think it's bad. I still chew my fingernails, and that's why I'm a healthy person now. But anyway, Jess won't stop chewing the dang things. And they tried putting Tabasco on us. He just starts liking spicy things. Like, they can't get him to stop. So they take him to a psychiatrist named Loomis who hypnotizes him. And as he's hypnotizing him, he is like, deeper, deeper. You don't want to, you know, okay, you're now you're asleep and you'll listen to me and do everything I say. Don't chew your fingernails anymore. And then he hears something outside and he's thinking, oh, stupid raccoons are getting in the garbage can. So he like turns, goes into the room and he gets into this big fight and he's yelling and arguing, you know, with someone. And he's just like, I hope they kill you because I, I don't care. You know, you're 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 a, a whore and you smoke pot and I hope you all get killed if you do bad, evil things like that. And then he just comes back in and he's like, and awake. And then, and young Michael Myers is just, this thing has been implanted so deep in him, it overrides his ability to even speak, but he's not chewing on those nails, so they call it a victory. And wouldn't you know it, days later, Murders his he, sister. Sees, he sees his sister through that window, making out with her boy, and he, all, all the things embedded in his brain come to the surface. And when this happens, Loomis knows instantly and his heart just goes cold. And he's like, oh, my God, I, oh, oh, I did this. And he's like, I've got to undo this. So it feels horrible. And he 
pulls some strings and becomes his personal psychiatrist and meets with him day after day, year after year, but he can't undo it. He, he never read that part of the book. He doesn't know how to <laughs> unhypnotize, hypnotize suggestion, but he keeps trying, he keeps failing, and, and he gets so bent out of shape with all of his guilt that he eventually convinces himself even, he almost hypnotizes himself to believe that the problem is, is that this boy is just pure evil. But, you know, we know the true story now. I'll buy it. I like it. I think that that's a great explanation. Woohoo! Now I don't have to worry about trying to come up with a sequel for this movie. There you go. Yeah, in, in the can. All right. So, question for you. Uh, this is one of the earliest uh, sort of popular slasher characters. Uh, I, I would say of the big three... Uh, the big three being Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, and Freddy Krueger. Who's your favorite? You're not counting Dwayne The Rock Johnson as one of the big ones. He's I'm a pretty big not. guy. Only because he came along a little too late. Okay. Um, honestly, I never really got that into Friday the 13th series. And I enjoyed some of Nightmare on Elm Street, but it had such a different you know, flair to it that I almost feel like it's in different categories. So I, I go with Michael Myers because of the, what, what's, what's, what's happened? Did you see that? See what? No, just outside. Just a second. I'm looking. I don't see anything. He's right there. Get back in here. He's right here. John. (laughs) Ow. (laughs) I really threw myself into that bit. You overacted that. (laughs) My hand hurts. (laughs) Uh, We can't afford workman's comp on this show, so you're just going to have to suck that one up. Yeah, I'll just have to appear in all the future movies without an eye. There you go. Uh, Sorry, you were saying Michael Myers because... Uh, just just because he... <laughs> I'm just looking out the window. I'm freaked out. Um, it, it's, the, it's the being rooted in reality, that, that real life killer, that real like this could be a real thing that makes it extra, extra creepy. Uh, as opposed to the ones, the things that lean into a bit more the supernatural where my brain can be a bit more detached and realize how quote-unquote not real it is whereas this is like just one tiny little quarter step away from something that could totally be real and stuff so i get that for sure and i i do like that aspect of it like he he's he's the most possible of the slashers like you're not gonna have some kid who drowned at a camp become a, a you know a murderous uh, villain like he's dead that shit's just not gonna happen and yeah. the the I'll talk about Freddy Krueger in a minute but the the idea that it's just this crazy murderous uh, uh, almost mindless but as you think more and more deeply on it not so mindless uh, like just this crazy real life killer like that's that to me I think makes him probably the most attractive in terms of like who 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 do we like the most or who who do I you know who do I think would be the the most realistic that said 
I like Freddy Krueger the most, uh, just because of the the sort of lore and the the kind of deal with the devil kind of thing, and uh, how he, you know, how he came to be, and the the disfiguration and the dream aspect of it. Like, uh, yeah. you, you're a you know five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year old Anthony watching Nightmare and Elm Street for the first time. You just aged very quickly. I did, very much so. Uh, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> five, six, seven, eight. Uh, no, watching this for the first time and then going, well, I'm going to do what the song said and I'm going to never sleep again because yeah, it, that there is terrifying. Quite, quite an impact. And, and one of the clever things about that whole series is the way it really does play up on no matter how old you are that that traversal of like what we call like real world and, and like dream time you know like mm-hmm. what most human beings have had bad dreams some horrifically horribly bad most can relate to the idea of waking up from the dream and taking a while to like even get over it and realize it was just a dream but like then to play with that whole idea of but what if the worst dream you've had or can imagine what if that wasn't a dream and when you thought you woke up you found out it, it followed you kind of thing so yeah i think that that is a really cool aspect plus you also get like scary terry tributes um <laughs> and so that's always fun as well yeah i love it when they, uh, they make tributes to to something that won't happen for another 30 years that's that's probably my favorite part of nightmare on elm street yep Bitch. Um, was that off the, the soundboard again? No, yeah, that was that was from the soundboard. That was my Scary Terry soundboard. That was your Sean Connery as Scary Terry. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Oh, we all man. get it. What else you got, John? I don't want to ruin the simplicity of this movie by digging too deep. Oh wait, we already we did. super did that. I mean, I feel I feel we kind of covered this one pretty effectively. We covered it like a quilt blanket over the top of a dying spawn of Satan. What? <laughs> Close enough. That's our show, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to us each and every week as we just tell another favorite of our past. Listen up for new shows. Listen up. Listen out for new shows every Monday. Listen up. Listen up and listen out and listen in and listen over. Stand back and stand by. That's, that's oh, wait, it. Wait, it's still the wrong episode for that. No, no, oh. no one's ever said that before. <laughs> by the way, thanks for hanging out with us for this shortened uh, Halloween spooktacular uh, we plan to do this every October. Only next October, we'll probably make it a little bit longer, just so we get to get the, you know, extra movie in there. And we'll get a lot more of those romance horrors in there too. Yep. that everyone's always talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to think of one, but yeah, we'll get one in there. Uh, Love Actually. Oh yeah, there you go. Wait. Just kidding. I don't ever want to watch that again. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of things that we definitely don't ever want to watch again. Music shouldn't be in that category because you listen to music, you don't watch it, and the music in our podcast comes from the song Destroying the Evidence by Semaphore. Just like Michael Myers destroyed the evidence that he was once a little boy. Correct. So, because it ties in so nicely, you should probably check them out and enjoy their music and go, you know, go buy them a a Halloween present or something. That'd be cool. I bet they'd appreciate it. Um, Always 
we like to hear from you. So um, writing us at thememorydistillery at gmail.com is a great way to reach out, connect, and say hi. Uh, tell us about any movies coming up. We're really about to hit a, a clean slate. We have some ideas of what we're doing heading towards this holiday season. But as the new year dawns, we're looking for some crazy ideas. Uh, maybe trying some stuff we haven't quite messed around with before. So this is a prime time to hop on our Facebook page and just look up the Memory Distillery um, and just come, you know, just give us ideas, throw them out there. We'll probably pick them up and run with them if they're not really, really bad ideas. Sorry, insert your name here. Um, but tweet <laughs> us uh, at, at TMDPod or even check out our website at TMDPod. Did you say tweak us? Tweak us at our website. Fantastic. Is that not a thing that kids do either? I'm, I'm so out of it. This is why I'm still alive because I'm not all you're, you're hip too old to too old to tweak. I'm too old to tweak. hashtag That's too what, old to tweak. Hashtag Miley woes. <laughs> this has been a very nonsensical episode. It sure that makes has. Me happy. I like it. Um, <laughs> I think that. I think that, you know, in the spirit of all things horrible and scary, that's the perfect time to just sign out and let sign out, sign up and sign out. (laughs) (laughs) I hate everything. As as Donald Trump said. (laughs) What? Did I lose you? No, I was just going to say nothing because it'd be like that horror moment because you just invoke the name of like. Some hideous creature. Oh, like then, like saying Candyman three times. Yeah, and then we're just like all dead. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's going to be a good time in the future to listen to our podcast. I, I don't. I'm. Yeah. Why am I trying to I don't close know. this like six times and but, it's not ending? Hey, Let me hey, more hold time. on, hold on. Wait before you try to yeah, close yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah, 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 If yeah, you're yeah. listening to this on Monday, you have today and tomorrow to vote. So go and do that, please. Please go vote. If you are registered to vote in the United States, please go vote and don't vote for that orange fuck. Uh, Vote for Biden, please, and get us out of this nightmare hellscape that we're currently in. But you know what? If you you don't listen to this to like Wednesday and you're wondering why half the country's on fire and you're like, dear God, wasn't the beginning of the year bad enough and you're looking for an escape. It's because you didn't vote. It's because you didn't vote, but at the same time, you can still listen to our podcast as long as one of us is still breathing. Um, Who knows how long that'll last, but, you know, so just don't make don't make that mistake and don't have us melt down into a puddle of nuclear waste, because that's what happens at the end of every show. Yep. And thanks again for listening. I'm going to try one more time to close this out because we've been working on this and I think I've got a good hook for us, maybe. Okay. You ready? Ready for this one? I'm ready. Thanks again for listening. Nope, that's not it. Um, wait, I, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I got it. From your house to ours, enjoy some Reese's Pieces. This has been John Deck. And I'm Anthony Verneri, and this has been The Memory Distillery. Have a, have a peanut butter cup on me, boys. It's Halloween. It's Halloween. Don't I, this is horrible. I don't like this. <laughs> this character. is terrible. It's very ASMR and I don't like it. Uh, it's also bad. It's it, that that part too, yes. Okay, I'm going to try a, di- a different one here. Okay. This will be the real ending for real this time. Ah, oh, no, I don't have the guts to do that one. Um <laughs> Yeah, you do.
All right. <clears throat> Thanks again for listening. I'm just a sweet transvestite. From wait, that's wait, that's a different movie. That is Damn it. We did that movie last week. Okay, no, I've got it. I'm gonna I'll, every week I'll sign off as the main villain of the movie. So thanks again for listening. Oh, that gave me chills. And I'm Anthony Verneri, and this has been the Memory Distillery. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> Your compassion's overwhelming, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs>